Good morning. Good morning. Happy first Sunday of Advent. It is such a wonderful day to be gathered together, and the, bu- the building looks beautiful, right? Thank you so much, Gina, for heading that up, and everyone that showed up last Sunday night to help us decorate. Uh, very excited about, about the... Um, just the spirit of Advent that is upon us. So welcome. I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to worshiping with my church family this morning. And um, because it's the first Sunday of Advent, I'm going to, each week, we're going to have um, some folks from the congregation come up and, and share a responsive reading that we're going to ask the congregation to participate in. And so I'm going to invite Phil Christensen to join me. Let me grab him a microphone. So Phil is going to read the reader slides, the reader lines, and then we are all going to read the all portion that you will find on the screen. Here you go, sir. Go ahead. This morning we light a candle. The light of the single flame is a reminder to us of the inbreaking hope that flickers in the darkness of our world. We have hope in the midst of the darkness. We remember the hope that is, is all around us and in us through Emmanuel, God with us. We have hope that God is with us. We light this candle in remembrance of the Messiah who came but also with with hopeful expectation of the return of Christ when all things will be made right. We look ahead in hope for Christ's return. We light this candle in the sanctuary, yet we know that the light is not meant to be kept here in this place, but that the hope of Christ is for the world all around us as well. May we bring hope to the world around us through our works of justice peace, and love. May the light of hope that we light here be ignited in our hearts and carried throughout the world around us. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Phil. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Gracious God, we are thankful. We're thankful to be in this place together this morning. And God, we just pray that you would move in our midst. Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen and encourage our hearts, those of us that need that this morning. Lord, as we lift our voices high to you in praise, God, I pray that you would draw near to us. Lord, we are are intentionally gathered in this space to meet with you. And God, may we all recognize this morning our overwhelming need for the hope that only you can give us so that we can be people of hope. So come, Lord Jesus, come. And everyone said, amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. We're glad to see you guys. Um, I do have a call to worship 
I don't know if it's up on the screen, but I'm going to read it for you anyway. There we go. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14 is a good description of this uh, Advent season that we're celebrating. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. We celebrate that today. of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar field and fountain moor and mountain following yonder star born a king on Bethlehem's plain gold I bring to crown him again king forever ceasing never over
Returns 
this morning. And God, I just pray that, that we would be able to pause in this moment and get rid of all distractions that might be keeping us from realizing our overwhelming need for you and you alone. God, would you just continue to speak to our hearts and move in our midst in such a way where we are just reminded of your love and your goodness and your mercy. God, we remember today that you are our hope. And God, as we look around and we see a world where it's hard to find hope, God. It's, it's hard to find any good around us. It's so easy to focus on the negative. It's so easy to fix our eyes on everything that's going wrong. But God, may we not forget that by being your people, we are a people of hope. And it's who we've always been. We have always been your people who have been waiting on their Savior. And God, you were faithful. Your people waited and you came. 
You showed up and you delivered. God, you delivered us from the grips of death. You delivered us from the grips of sin. You delivered us from the grip of slavery, from the grip of injustice, from the grip of oppression, and from the grip of the darkness. Through Christ, our hope is found. Our hope is realized. And during this Advent season, may we pause and reorient ourselves toward that hope that is found in the hands of Christ our King. God, today we wait as people of hope. We fix our eyes on your truth and your promise that you are coming again, that all hope is not lost, but we remain full of hope, knowing that you will come You will wipe every tear. God, you will draw near to us and we will be your people who will dwell with our God and all will be right. All will be whole. But until then, God, we wait. We anticipate. And we do so full of hope. God, I pray that you would continue to encourage our hearts this morning as we open up your word and as we continue to remind ourselves of this hope that we have. God, would you speak to us? Would you open up our eyes, open up our hearts? Help us to hear you and your word this morning. And God, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning, you probably realized that we have a drummer in the room, but he wasn't drumming today. And that is because the drummer is going to wear the preacher hat today. Um, As most of you know, but maybe some of you don't, uh, my husband, Pastor Bo, um, is a a licensed minister in the Church of the Nazarene, and he is um, pursuing ordination. But in the meantime, um, those who are going through uh, that process are asked to preach. Um, a couple of times a year, and this will be the first time here at Belleville just because the year went by in a flash, um, and he just didn't remind me that he needed to preach, so (laughs) finally, somebody was ready to hear from him, and they're like, when are we going to get to hear that guy preach, and so we, we made it, we put it on the calendar, and I'm also really sorry that I apparently disappointed a lot of you, because a lot of you were like, wait, you're not going to drum today? Bo's preaching, but you're not going to drum, and I appreciate how much you think of me, um, but you would not appreciate me on the drum or any instrument, playing any instrument on this platform, so Uh, Today I will just receive, and um, I'm going to ask Bo to come, and he's going to lead us in the word this morning. Well, good morning. Uh, Man, I just, I don't think I could have picked a better selection of reading or songs to bring us into the text we're going to discuss today. It was just perfect, and I mean, if you don't hear me, you've already heard it, so uh, it was good stuff. but hopefully God has a little more for us uh, this morning. Uh, we'll be reading in the book of Psalms, chapter 25, 
give you a little head start on finding that if you want to uh, uh, read along later. But first I want to uh, pray and just get my own self in a place that I need to be. And and, uh, hopefully you can open your hearts as well. Uh, Let's pray. God, we're here in front of you this morning, humble. We ask for your presence to be among us, Lord. We thank you for this new year that's upon us. We thank you for the many blessings of the past year, Lord. And we thank you for the sustenance that you provided through the hard times. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here today. And we pray that you allow your spirit to be among us. We pray that our hearts be opened, open for what you have for us, Lord. I thank you for your word, and I pray for your blessing on the message that I'm about to preach, Lord. I pray that it would not be me speaking, but you speaking through me, God. I pray that there may be a response in the hearts of those who hear, Lord, those who are willing to accept what you have for them. Lord, we pray this in your Son's holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so this is my first time preaching with technological devices, and so I expect there to be problems, but um, hopefully not. Uh, anyways, but so I'm wondering, do you ever have trouble being real? I don't mean just being blunt or blatant without regard to respect or kindness. I really just mean being fully honest, but respect, but with respect for others and yourself. I know it can be a struggle for myself. I find it difficult to be real with others and myself a lot of times. Uh, It's hard to admit when I need help. I don't know how to do something by myself. Uh, Even writing this part of the sermon came very difficult for me because I know I'm fighting with myself to tell you what one of my weaknesses is. But believe it or not, though, I'm certain my wife would attest, there is not this internal atlas in my head. And when we go on trips, I do make wrong turns. I... Sometimes do not ask for directions when I should. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I've got this mentality when I start a trip. Like, yeah, I can get there without a map. I've already routed it out. I've looked at the map ahead of time. I know where I'm going. But even when it's a place I've been before, I, I have the same problem. I do the same thing. It doesn't help when there's poor signage either. Like, there's a lot of places that just don't mark things right or I don't see them right. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of times that can land you in a place you don't really want to be. It can be one of those places like you might see in a number of movies where the character has missed the turn or didn't ask for directions. Uh, but it also lets you see parts of the world that you might not, might not otherwise see. Uh, but I am thankful for GPS and smartphones. If I'm humble enough, I do know that I have the capability to not make a wrong turn ever again. Now, that might be a little lighthearted, but I think it may be true on more than one front. 
I think it's probably true in my spiritual life as well. I think there's a reluctance to ask for direction when I need help or when I'm lost or just finding my way. I want to do it on my own. I mean, I've got all the information in the world. I can do this. How many of us can relate to that? Do you you find it hard to admit your weakness? Whatever the limitations, we do not like to need someone else to get us through something. We may be willing to accept help, but we want that help to know that we're capable of doing it on our own. We don't really need them, but we're accepting the help. Uh, I mean, we may explain how we know the whole route of our trip, but we let our spouse read the map just in case. Or maybe the GPS is just running in the background so we know how much longer we have till we get there. Uh, You never know. But in all seriousness, though, sometimes we're limited by our ignorance. Sometimes we're limited by our physical body. Sometimes we're limited by our mental capacity. And sometimes we're limited by our health. Sometimes it's our location. Sometimes our social standing. And sometimes these limitations can discourage us, cause us to lose hope. Sometimes, even if we do feel like we've got it all together and not limited, life circumstances can get us feeling this way. It's times like this when we have to recognize that we're lost and struggling to find hope and that we need to be real. We need to be real human. And as we'll soon see, we need to pray real prayers and we need to seek a real God because there's a hope to be found in a God who can work even through our limitations. Today we're going to look at a small excerpt from the writings of David and see how he kept things real and found hope in God. The Psalms, I feel, are often overlooked. But it's good to look at them and we, we can see just how real the authors could be with themselves about life and God. And David is no exception here. Uh, for those following along, again, we are going to be reading in Psalms 25, verse 1 through 10. Uh, I'll be reading from the ES, <clears throat> ESV. And uh, for those of you who want and can, please stand as we read. First one starts, of David, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust, let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and you, <clears throat> for you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and, that your, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my, and, or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. 
for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Now, I want to go back through all that and clarify some things. You may be seated. I'm sorry. Uh, you can stand the rest of the time. Uh, but yeah, I want to go through and clarify some of that. But uh, first, I want to say the text was originally written in an acrostic poem, or as an acrostic poem. Uh, that means that David was being very intentional here about the pattern and the structure of the text. And we may not be able to fully grasp or understand it because there may be some things lost in translation. Um, that means, that, like, being an acrostic means that the poem start, like, each line starts with the next letter in the alphabet, of the, the Hebrew alphabet. And so, yeah, we're not going to understand the full capacity of all of that. But if we read the psalm in its entirety, we'll find it appears to be a time when David is struggling greatly with the life circumstances. He's fully aware of his social standing and his spiritual standing. He admits to being a sinner, and he admits to having many enemies. He's desperate for God to follow through with his promises. He's being real. He's written a real poem, and I feel like a real prayer. But of course, we're only going to focus on the first half of this text, and I believe there's plenty here for us. Uh, so let's start with verse 1 there. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Immediately, we see here David being a real human, putting up a real prayer to a real God for a real concern. He says, in other words, I give you my life. I offer the essence of my being to you. I surrender my control to you, God. The NIV says it like this, In you, Lord God, I put my trust. I believe it's important to recognize how the poem starts with this idea of surrender. It sets the mood, if you will. It's the key for interpreting the rest of the text. David is open to what God has for him. He knows that he's not perfect and he doesn't know everything and that God is the solution to that human problem. We move on to verse 2. Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous or deceitful unfaithful, or offensive without cause. I added some extra language there at the end of verse 3 to offer a little more thorough translation that wantonly treacherous might get in the way for some people. Uh, but it can be more translated into those deceitful, unfaithful, offensive without cause. Again, we see the psalmist declaring his surrender to God. From what is said immediately following, we can discern that in this trust there is hope. A hope that God 
will not let something bad happen to him. In this case, God will not let shame be brought to him or his family. The honor and shame culture was very strong in this time. Not that it's completely faded away to this day, but at this time it was very strong. And nobody wanted shame to be brought on their family. They would go to great lengths to prevent that from happening. Also, I find a tension here between a hope and trust in God's provision in the spiritual sense and that of a selfish, materialistic, or greedy desire for public or worldly honor. If Jesus taught us anything on this subject, it's that worldly honor is not a guarantee of trusting and following God. I want to trust that David was mature enough here in speaking strictly of spiritual honor and shame, but it's hard to know with my limited understanding that uh, the end of verse 2 could suggest otherwise because David definitely has physical, real-life enemies and great potential for public shame. One thing I believe, it is difficult to seek both worldly honor and spiritual honor. As I said, the end of verse 3 there uses that term or phrase, wantonly treacherous. And it means those who might act in a way to deceive or offend others in a deliberate or unprovoked way. It's clear that David believes with good reason that those who choose not to wait on the Lord will find themselves in hopeless situations without expectation of security in the Lord. My hope is that none of us find ourselves there. We move on to verse 4. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. David is emphasizing a need to learn the ways of God. He, acknowledged, he acknowledges the way or the fact that he does not know those ways already, and that he must be taught. He is acknowledging that God is his salvation. David is hopeful in his waiting and seeking to know God will save him from the life of shame and insecurity. He's patient and enduring in his expectation. He has hope to be found in that. Now again, I've added some extra language in verse 6 for a more thorough interpretation. It could read like this. Remember your mercy and compassion, O Lord, and your strength, steadfastness, and loving nature, for they have been from of old. The word used for steadfast love is the Hebrew word chesed, and this is one of great importance in Old Testament theology. It's one that's found 240 times in the Old Testament, and it has quite a strong meaning. Uh, uh, strong, actually, says that uh, any meaning of the word chesed that does not incorporate strength, steadfastness, and love does not do it any justice. So it has to at least include strength, steadfastness, and love. But it could also include the definition 
for generous or even parties who care for the needs of each other without overpowering or expecting of each other. It's compelling to combine all of those. It would be possible to discern here that David understood that it was a choice to seek and accept the teachings of God. God did not force it on him, nor did he ever force it on anyone. So again, in 7, we see Chesed. It could be read, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your strength, steadfastness, and loving nature, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. David is admitting he's a sinner, that he's not perfect, that he, was, that he has wronged others, that he needs God to forgive him of those things in his past. Again, David acknowledges God's love, God's tendency to always love. Verse 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. God is the ultimate good and seeks to make all things right. In other words, he is a just God. That doesn't always mean what we want it to mean. And I think that's why it's important to fully understand what David is getting at here. Even when we do not see how something is just, we can trust that God is working to make it right. Humans may not always make just decisions, and God is not going to force them to, but God is working to move them to make just decisions. I like to think humans are getting a little more just every day, but it's hard to believe that all the time. The end of verse 8 lets us know that we don't have to be perfect for God to teach us. We are all sinners, and God is working to make us right. Verse 9, he leads, us, or he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. We have to be willing to admit that we are not omniscient and that God is the ultimate good. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, we are able to receive what he has for us. We cannot process his ways fully without surrender to who he is and accept our need for him. So again, I want to add some more language here in verse 10 for translation concerns. Once again, Chesed is here. All the paths of the Lord are of strength, steadfastness, a loving nature, faithfulness, and truth for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Here we find hope in David's testimony. David believed in the promises of God that had been revealed to, in the history of his people throughout his own, and throughout his own life. David knew that his ancestors had found provision in God when they stayed true to God's teachings. He knew that God had brought him through some pretty tough times when he was faithful to what God had shown him. So, why is this important? What does it mean to us? What should we take away from what David has shared with us? 
I believe David wanted to let us know that we have to get real with God and admit our need for Him. We have to recognize we are sinners who need a real God to teach us to, how to be. A condition that only comes to resolution through real prayer and communion with God and His people. I have a side note. I won't charge extra for. Uh, say, I have noticed here that we need to recognize that David put this in a poem. He wrote it down so that the whole world could see. Not only was he not afraid to be real with God and himself, but he wasn't afraid to be real with other people either. He wasn't afraid to be vulnerable and let others into his struggle. Just keep that in mind when you process how God works and teaches you. And contemplate how that fits into what we've talked about with community over the past year. What the text tells us is if we know nothing else of God, we can know that he is loving, steadfast, strong, compassionate, merciful, faithful, true, and just. That's a lot to take on right there, just this little text. For us to know, <clears throat> for us to know this is to reflect this. It is for us to be love. It is to have compassion toward all those around us, even when they hate us in return. It is to treat others with respect and generosity. It is to, with his guidance, make all things right. It is to trust that even when life is hard and seemingly hopeless, that God is going to come through with his promises. I believe it goes beyond what is addressed here in this passage in other senses. It, it's to see a bully and wonder what we could do to help them feel better inside. It's to see a war and wonder what you could possibly do to let both sides know that they are loved by the same creator who would love nothing more than for them to live in peace with one another. It's to hear a song that would make your grandma burn your radio and wonder what happened in that artist's life to make them think they need to write that song. But seriously, David knew and admitted that he was not perfect, that he was a sinner, and that he had to trust God to teach him a better way in order that he not be put to shame. He knew the sinful life led down a dead-end road, and he knew that he could lose all respect in life if he followed his own path, that path of greed and selfishness. Maybe like David, some of you are very self-aware of your shortcomings. Maybe you're not. Maybe you can't think of any areas you fall short. Well, kudos to you. <laughs> For the rest of you, you're not alone. I believe most of us can easily recognize that we do not know it all. And I do know that God has more that he wants to show all of us. My fear is many of us are easily distracted 
easily sucked into the vast array of options in our life today. In the information age, we can learn from so many different sources. We can participate in so many activities and all in a matter of minutes. I wonder, have we developed habits of seeking information from so many places but failed to seek it from God? Or maybe we've just given God so little room in our resource department that others hardly notice he's in our life. Maybe some of you disregard all this religious fluff and can only commit to hard facts and statistics. To that I say, there's a time for those facts and stats, but be careful not to quench the spirit. Some of you may have a hardened heart and struggle to believe at all. For you, I earnestly pray for a softened heart, peace beyond understanding, a heart strangely warmed, in a way that will draw you into his arms. No matter your circumstance, if you find yourself with a desire to seek a God, I urge you to seek the God, the God who is love, who is trustworthy, who is strong, who is faithful, who has mercy and compassion on his creation. And what some of you may consider most important, one who makes all things right. So be a real human and admit that you are in need of him and others around you for support. God works and speaks through people more often than booming voices out of the clouds. Remember that. Pray a real prayer. Pray a prayer that's honest and true. He can handle it. Seek the real God. Don't settle for a flawed God or one that's been conformed to this world, but the real God. As David said it, wait for the real God to reveal himself to you. We don't like that word, wait. In our culture, we hate wait for anything. I'm sure that's always been the human condition, but probably not to the degree in which we see it in the last 50 years or so. But God does not operate in our high-tech time. He takes time to teach us. And it takes time for us to fully grasp what he has for us. His knowledge and wisdom is so vast, we can only process small portions of it at a time. I fear many times we rush to, rush to conclusions with the small parts that we do get that we may miss the bigger pictures that are trying to be painted there. We may understand the line of a song, but miss the purpose of the song as a whole. I think this may happen because we don't want to take the time to test it. It could also happen when part of what we understand fits well with what we already believe or it's in agreement with what we've experienced in our own personal life without regard to the experiences of others. Or it might just line up well with our political stance. In that, my fear is that we stop looking for more. We accept what we know as the whole truth and become stagnant in our faith. In the text, we see David, the beloved, in his older years, admitting that he was still trying to figure things out. 
that he still needed God's guidance. In short, David is telling us how important it is that we wait on God and that we trust in him to continue to guide us and inform us of his ways. So here's what I want us to do. It's a little experiment. Could be weird, but we're going to try it. I want us to sit here for two minutes in dead silence and see what happens. See if you can indeed focus on God the whole time. Get real with Him. Be a real human. Pray a real prayer. Seek the real God. It's just two minutes. Two of... 1,440 that you've been blessed with today. I think we can spare two. Uh, Let's just do that. Okay. So be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me. How many times did you think about what was going on in that little device in your pocket or your purse? Did you think about what you're going to have for lunch or what you're going to do after lunch? How many of your current worries or stressors came to mind? How much of the two minutes was actually spent focused on God? Hopefully, it was a lot. I, I hope you took the challenge seriously. But I wonder if this accurately reflects how our everyday life goes with God. How easily are we distracted? Really, 
How real are the distractions in our life that keep us from seeking God? I know this was my challenge, and I struggled up here. I, I was focused on the clock. I was focused on what, who's staring at me. But, like, there's always something. But, like, we got to get real about that and admit it. There's distractions in life, and we need God to help us through that. As the praise team comes back up, I want to leave us with these last couple thoughts. Again, I want to challenge us all to be a real human. Pray some real prayers and seek the real God. We can find hope and an honorable life worth living if we can be real with God, ourselves, and others. This morning, I want us to pray that God would continue to bless us with his steadfast love, his wisdom, all through the spiritual disciplines that are available to us. Let's ask him to give us a heart that desires to continue to learn from him, to know more of him. It can be as simple as this. Just ask him to give you direction in how to learn from him. You may not know. Ask him. He might send somebody your way to help you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in the many ways that you do. In particular, we thank you for being a loving and just father. We thank you for sending your son to bear direct witness who could show us the way of you and how to reflect that. We thank you for your spirit among us so we may feel and hear from you on a personal level and see you working amongst us. We thank you for your promises to always love us and walk alongside us to make things right. We ask that you saturate our hearts with the desire to know you better. We know we're limited in our humanness. We also know that when we seek you and wait for you, that you will always provide what we need. We ask that you would give us the patience and the drive that we need to seek you in all things. That we would not lose heart and go our own way. Lord, I pray that you work in the lives of those who are struggling, God. I know it's not always easy to let people in our messiness. But I pray that you'll help us all be real. Lord, help us to be real humans. Help us to pray real prayers. And help us to seek the real you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm very thankful. Jesus coming and you guys can stand with us if you want while we sing this um, just think about what we're saying and this is just a beautiful song a good reflection on 
everything that we've been learning this morning.
microphone on. And I'll be the first one to be real. Is that okay? Can I be real? I don't know what the Lord told you in those two minutes. In fact, I didn't even know how much I needed those two minutes. And what I heard in those two minutes is something that I needed to hear at the beginning of a crazy season. And those words were, just be. Just be. That's not a new concept. That's not a new term. That's not new language. But I heard, just be. I've already gotten in, you know, my, my crazy, the crazy mindset of just the rush of this season. And my children could attest <laughs> to just how real that got yesterday when we tried to decorate after coming home from being gone. And it's like, the Lord is reminding me, just be, just be, be in his presence. Be real. Pray a real prayer. Thank you for that reminder, Bo. So I pray, my prayer for us as we prepare to leave this place, I pray that you would be real, be a real human, pray a real prayer to a real God. And I uh, just want to encourage you to just be. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time and the ways in which you have spoken to each of us here today. God, we know this is a crazy season. But Lord, I just want to be real before you and say that I want to pause and embrace this season I want to embrace the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that is offered to us, and I don't want to miss it. So God, I pray that we would make a lot of space over these next several weeks. God, my prayer for us is is that you would reveal yourself to us. Help us to see you in the midst of the hustle and bustle and chaos and and buying. God, help us to pause. Help us to take those two minutes or more often to just be in your presence and to be reminded of the hope that you offer to us. God, help us to be honest with ourselves and with you about who we are and who you've called us to be. God, fill us with strength and hope so that we can point others to that hope that is found in you. May it be so with us. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated just want to share a few quick announcements before you or for you before we leave um real quick before I forget to mention it um you may not ever walk on this side of the building out here in the foyer and if you don't I just want to let you know that there is a beautiful photo op over here for you and your family so if you are one of the lucky ones that gets your family to look nice for a photo on one of the Sundays of Advent then Take them over there and grab somebody to take your picture for you. There's a beautiful setup over here on this side of the foyer um, that's meant for taking pictures. So please utilize that anytime over the next month, and, and um, I'm going to try to make that happen, all right? I might need to have a few of you help me with that, but we're going to try to make that happen at some point. Uh, today is the final day that we are collecting gift cards for the Restore Network families for the Christmas party. So if you haven't got that to Trisha, maybe it's in your pocket or in your purse, make sure you 
you get that to her before we leave today. I want to let you know and remind you that we are having a baby shower for Emily uh, Meads. Emily is Gina and Ralph's daughter, and and her husband, Parker, they are expecting their first baby, and so we're going to shower them with love on December 11th. Uh, Ladies, mark your calendars for December 11th at 10 a.m. We're going to have a a beautiful brunch here at the church, and we're just going to shower this new family that's in our fellowship uh, with lots of love and, and goodies that day. Um, I also want to let you know, so maybe some of you have had a chance to meet Mike Stidham. Mike's back here over on the left-hand side, and Mike um, has been, he and his wife have been with us for a few weeks, and he is actually the director of Beacon Ministries in Belleville. Um, So Beacon, if you don't know, is a ministry that we partner with and support um, as a church. That's one of the ministries that we um, give to because of your faithfulness, and we're looking for ways to kind of step up our partnership with Beacon, and so Mike, uh, Mike has let me know of, of something that you can be aware of that on Saturday, December 11th, so while the ladies are, are, are doing the baby shower thing, maybe some men, um, if you're available and you want to go check it out, uh, Beacon Ministries is having a furniture giveaway on Saturday, December 11th. Um, the details are on this slide, and you can also uh, see Mike for more of that information, but that's going to be Saturday, December 11th from 10 to 2. Okay, there's not going to be any delivery service or anything. You'll have to bring your vehicle and you'll have to be able to take that with you. But it's just a furniture giveaway. Um, And if anyone is feeling extra generous, they could also use some volunteers for that. So if you are free and you'd like to volunteer, um, you can you can see Mike about that. So we just wanted to let you know. Also, today, as you know, is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, I did my Advent devotional this morning. Anybody else already feeling blessed by that? We do still have some books available, so if you're wanting to grab one of those, you can see Kathy. She does have a few more of those Advent devotionals for $6, Um, so go ahead and grab one of those so you don't miss a day of of those in Advent. Uh, Christmas, all Christmas lunch, December 12th at noon. We are excited. We're going to fellowship together after the service. Um, We're going to be with, we're going to fellowship with Belleville Hispanic as well and, and share a beautiful meal together for for Christmas, so that's December 12th after the morning service. And finally, um, we will be offering a Christmas Eve service on Friday, December 24th. That's going to be at 6 p.m. So if you are here um, and you'd like to attend, then please, um, you are welcome to come to that. All right. With that said, I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior. May you um, open yourselves up to him, and may he be your hope this Advent season. You are dismissed. Have a great day.